It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to America's favorite public affairs radio show, The Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam Ritz, and I I can't honestly back that up. I don't know if we are America's favorite, but it sounded good in my head before I said it. Jay Baker is with me. Jay, is this America's favorite public affairs show? As a matter of fact, it is. I know that you always (laughs) rely on me to do important research. There is an institute that determines America's most popular community affairs show. Their offices are in North Dakota, and they said because of our honor, whenever we're in town, we should stop by and grab lunch. Oh, it's the North Dakota Public Affairs Radio Research Institute.org. They have a maybe a huge, dot com. Yes, they have a huge <laughs> facility up there. They do nothing but community affairs research. Well, I wanted to jump right in with a topic of uh, I'm going to stretch here because a lot of our topics are to help make uh, the planet better. Uh, community service projects, philanthropy, foundation work, health and cancer awareness. Uh, But I'm going to put music appreciation in that uh, list of public affairs categories. Music appreciation. We've done the same thing with history in in the past. We did a report on the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which is uh, the inspiration for the book and movie The Shining, uh, if you're familiar with the Stanley Hotel. And that was part of you know, American history uh, and history education, history appreciation. So with the topic of music appreciation, I want to look at a new album coming out uh, available from Tidal.com. And if you haven't heard of Tidal Music yet, uh, you will. I'm surprised if you haven't, but Tidal.com uh, is a streaming music service and they're really fan friendly. So, you know, if you have uh, the app of choice where you get your music, um, you might want to look at Tidal because they have all the same music and artist. It's artist owned and artist and fan friendly. So there's extra videos and interviews and fan experiences that you can have with the artist. And this is one of them. Tidal is releasing a new album from Prince, believe it or not. Prince has a new album coming out on June 7th. Uh, it's all kind of original songs from the Prince Library that were never released previously unreleased tracks and just a few of them jump out at me and tell me what you think about this because I you know these are hits from other artists that Prince recorded in when he was alive and they just they've sat somewhere in a vault and now they're getting released on this album Jungle Love remember that song Jungle yeah. Love from yeah. uh, uh, Morse Day in the Time that was in the movie Purple Rain right and Morse Day was a close friend of yeah. Prince so uh, Prince has his version of Jungle Love on this album, Manic Monday from the Bangles. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, what else is on this list? And I think Prince wrote these songs, Adam. I, you if know, I'm I not mistaken, ha- I, I wish- it seemed like Manic Monday was a Prince in much the uh, the, the way uh, you know nothing compares to you. You're psychic because that's on the album. Oh, cool. uh, I knew for a fact he did write that song. And his and version. And O'Connor made it popular. Yeah, and his version is very, very emotional and heartfelt. Nothing Compares to You is on the album. Uh, the Glamorous Life, which when I was a kid was a huge hit by Sheila E. Right. 
Uh, so I guess I apologize for not knowing the ins and outs of Prince's writing, music writing, that he probably did write these songs. Uh, I don't care if he did or didn't. He's singing these songs no, on, think, on his new album. I think it's absolutely cool. And as you said, this is a side of Prince you didn't know existed. And if you're a Prince fan, if you're a quasi-Prince fan, uh, you'll want to check this out. Just search Tidal, and that's spelled like a tidal wave, T-I-D-A-L. Search Tidal Music You'll find their website, you'll find the app, and you'll find access only through Tidal to buy this new album from Prince, available June 7th. That's our nod to music appreciation and music history within the confines of this public affairs show. The Adam Rich Show, uh, powered by Vibonomics. We have to tip our captain's hat to our good friends at Vibonomics for underwriting the show and providing us the resources to make this possible. We are actually broadcasting right now in the Vibonomics studios. They are kings of audio experience and audio experience software. And what that means to the layman is if you walk into a store or a public space and you hear, let's say, a Prince song, um, well, Vibonomics has that song playing. They're paying the licensing. They're providing the software to play that song. And then almost more importantly, before uh, or when the song ends, you'll hear a voiceover message promoting that store, promoting that space, promoting uh, some sort of marketing promotion through a voiceover. That's what they call an audio experience. And if you'd like to learn more about that, you can at Vibonomics.com. Vibe spelled like, uh, you know, the vibe of this show. We've got a pretty cool vibe here, Jay and I do. At least I think so. Oh, I, I mean, after we all, do. it's it's the most important public affairs radio show in the country. In the country, and you can learn more vibonomics dot com. Jay, well, you know, today's uh, topic is about creating family memories, and this came about because talking to a group of friends, everyone that I sort of have an immediate circle with remarked, "Boy, wasn't it great growing up." and having these great memories associated with your family. We've had shows in the past where, you know, life gets so busy and so hectic, we don't take time out to create the proper experience. I mean, proper experience sounds like a tough one, but you can get too busy to even think, well, you know, we need to create more family memories. So today's topic is about creating those family memories and not spending a fortune. Uh, You probably know if you've got money, you say to yourself, hey, I'll take the kids to a ball game or I'll take them to a, uh, a one of those water parks. Well, a Major League Baseball family of four experience can cost as much as $165. For nosebleed seats, probably, too. Probably not the best seats in the yeah, house. But you're no. talking like you know, a couple hot dogs, some average to bad seats, a round of hot dogs and a soda. And you're almost at 200 bucks. Absolutely. And uh, a water park could cost as much as $150. And they made a note here, and I wanted to bring this up in the show. While we love Disney World, and they are an incredibly family-positive place to go, Adam, you just recently took family members if, to Disney if World. If you're about to tell me that Disney World is expensive, uh, you save your breath. <laughs> <laughs> People are veering off the road. Disney World expensive. You're this is the first me. I've heard of it. I, I had no idea. <laughs> so if you're like most people, you say to yourself, we want to create these family experiences. We don't want to uh, spend a fortune. So here's here's some great pointers. Uh, one of the things you can do is sit down with your family. And I actually have a great personal story associated with this. You can create an experience list. You can actually get your family together to brainstorm, especially if you've got 
kids that are above the age of, let's say, seven or eight, where they're vocal and they have some great ideas, something they've read about in a book or have seen on television, ask them what would they like to do. Now, some activities, you know, like if somebody says, let's all go ice skating, might be more of a winter-only activity. But is there a park, a lake, a beach, or a restaurant you've always wanted to go to? Think about that. So you sit around and you brainstorm. Sounds simple. But this is so funny. I read this, and it, it dawned on me. My kids, when they were growing up, were in awe of the Upper Peninsula. Don't know how it got started, but they'd look on maps, and they'd just see this sliver of America that's coming out of the middle of nowhere. And then when I told them, yeah, well, there's a bridge to the Upper Peninsula. We've got to see it. <laughs> now, there's nothing special about hopping in the car and driving to the Upper Peninsula, unless, of course, you live prohibitively far away. But you think about it, something as simple as visiting part of another state was absolutely fascinating for them. And it was a very inexpensive trip, as you might imagine, because I think we stayed at a couple of bed and breakfasts and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. It's not a particularly expensive place to go. You're not going to get to ride Space Mountain, no. but uh, you'll make memories. Yes. Yeah, so it was interesting. They wanted to see the Upper Peninsula. One of the things you can do is create a scavenger hunt. And you might say to yourself, well, scavenger hunt, that's an old idea. But depending on what age kids, if you create clues as to where to find the treasure, you can engage those minds. Now, you probably can't engage the minds of your older teenagers. Their scavenger hunt would be, I'd like to find something at the mall in my size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this scavenger hunt doesn't end at the Apple store, I'm out. Yes, absolutely. So you have to think that you know that's kind of an age-specific thing. And then here's something interesting, too. Nothing brings people together like food. So maybe... Even if you do something as simple as make a gingerbread house, mm -hmm. you're creating a heck of a memory. For sure. We've, we've, we do that every, every year. In fact, we started doing that um, for Halloween because you can, you can make a Halloween haunted house gingerbread house. Is there a gingerbread haunted yes, house? Yes. See, I love that idea, and I know that your family is especially keen on Halloween. Some families just are, yeah. Yeah. Also, I thought this was interesting as well, and I will say this certainly happened in our family. If you have relatives in your family that really love to cook, and let's say people are captivated, hey, we go to Aunt Ruth's house and she cooks like crazy. If you go to Aunt Ruth and say, give me your two favorite recipes, she'd probably be glad to do it. You and your kids make Aunt Ruth's two favorite recipes. Or let's just say, in my particular case in our family, our grandmother had this mystique of being a great, great, great cook. When she passed away, that was one of the things the relatives squabbled over was her recipe cards. No kidding. Yeah. So it's something as simple as making a departed relative's favorite recipes. You know, you can you can have a, uh, a weekend tradition of, of waffles or pancakes every Saturday morning. Uh, uh, taco night, uh, make your own pizza night. Absolutely. I mean, it's those funny are you said that pretty because yeah, yeah, this is inexpensive. You got to eat anyway. And if you make your own pizza at home, it's going to be far cheaper than taking the family out for pizza. So think about some type of food oriented thing. And as you said, Taco Tuesday is very good. Now, one of the things that you can do too is create uh, the model for your kids about kindness and gratitude. And if you're kids have tons of toys and belongings like every kid does, you say to yourself, hey, let's go out and pick out a couple of old items that we're going to donate that will help 
other people. Now, this tends to be more of a holiday-oriented uh, event, but this is something you can do year-round to sort of just create the idea in your children's head, hey, we're lucky. We have all the things that we need, but not everybody does. So and, something simple like that, you know, it's th- these are really powerful. And, uh, you know, not the broken, uh, almost trash toys that you want to give away. I mean, I, I would even pick a few toys that they still – I'm not going to say it's their favorite, but you know that's quite a punishment. Take your favorite uh, Barbie doll, and we're going to give it away. But um, it's a great way to teach uh, philanthropy. There is a lot to it, yeah. To to pick uh, some of the toys that are still uh, nice, look like new, usable, not broken. That, that's what I would uh, definitely do with my kids. Absolutely. And one of the things you can do, too, is kind of help your kids volunteer firsthand. Let's say there's a 5K race. The local Kiwanis Club puts it on. They're going to need people that come out there and register people or help set up pylons or cones or pick up after the event. Sometimes you can engage your kids by volunteering and then bringing them along so they can see firsthand Yes, everybody came out here to the local 5K run, mm-hmm. but the stuff all needs to be cleaned up afterwards. So I thought that was interesting as well. Now, here's something that's inexpensive and creates great memories, or does it? Game night. <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is one heated Monopoly game, yeah. and the whole family won't speak to each other for a week. Depending on how competitive you are, uh, or that one family member is, maybe you don't want to do game night. But yeah, that, those are fun. My kids still love the games. We, in fact, we were just to tie in the last two discussions we just had. We, I was putting together uh, the donation pile to get rid of some of our games. And my 16, almost 17-year-old daughter comes in and, and said, no, we're keeping these two games. And we, we still kept like one, to play. Yeah, one of them was the Scooby – well, to bring it back five discussions ago, one of them was the Scooby-Doo Haunted House board game. And I was going to give it away, and she had a fit, and we kept it, and we played it. We pl- <laughs> we still play it. You know, yeah, game That night. game is particularly demanding. It yeah. creates a- – there's a lot of skills involved in helping Scooby safely negotiate the haunted house. I mean, we're a, a very cerebral family. And, you know, you can play Monopoly if you want. But if you want to take your brain power to the next level, you're going to want to play the Scooby-Doo haunted house board game. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know what's really funny, too, is, as you know, Monopoly t- tends to turn into an epic game. But Monopoly created a game they released about 15 years ago that has some rules that speed up gameplay ah, and it's absolutely yeah. wonderful okay. they, they created an extra dice so you get like extra rolls or extra movement points because you know how it is waiting to land on certain squares can take an awful long time have you played monopoly where the first hour is absolutely fantastic and then the last the last 20 minutes is just almost like everyone's trying to lose just to get it over with well, they're almost trying to lose so they can finally just go to bed. Yeah. Because yeah. it's gone on so long. <laughs> I desperately need to sleep. Yeah. No, that's such a great point. But yeah, game night. And you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, even a game as simple as charades, which dates way back 20s, 30s, 40s, yeah. still a fun game Super to play fun. for kids. Yeah. Super fun. And uh, I recently uh, joined. A, some good friends of mine, their daughter came back from graduate school, and they go, hey, come over and play games games with us. And I thought, hey, great. But they have a bunch of 
very simple games that you can walk through any game aisle, and they weren't particularly expensive games, but it's stuff like come up with three items in a list in five seconds. And, you know, there's a little timer and all this stuff, and everyone laughs because, of course, you know, hey, mm-hmm. you big dummy, you don't know three teams from the NFL or, so, you know, something simple because in three, se- you know, in five seconds, your brain just doesn't operate. Right, 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 right. So, you know, but we had a blast doing that, and it literally were people that were age 18 through their 60s, and everybody played and laughed and had a great time. What's your favorite uh, board game traditionally with your kids, your family? What would you guys do? You know, for us, it really was Monopoly, and I feel a little bit bad because maybe I put my kids through these long Monopoly games. But of interest, the kids really wanted to master that game and and then learn how to play it well. Mm -hmm. So we tried to keep it from turning into an epic slog where (laughs) – you know, mm-hmm. you're like going, hey, look over there, and you give give your money away. You yeah. Know, that kind of thing. You're like this. My kids, um, and it's great for me because these are games I liked when I was a kid in the 70s. But two of the games we still play that they love just as much as I did in 1978 are Sorry. Great game. And Aggravation. Yeah. So if you remember those games, uh, and if you forgot about those games – just a couple bucks, you can stock your game cabinet and, and your kids, new kids, kids you don't even have yet. Those those games stand the test of time. Absolutely, and they are currently in the game aisles of many of these stores because these games don't go out of out of uh, favor. I thought that was great. You guys still, and this is your 17-year-old daughter, because you picture somebody that's so worldly now, hey, Dad, you're, you're hopelessly out of touch, yet would not part with the Scooby-Doo haunted house game. We cannot get rid of it. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who are do the playing pieces have different characters from the show? Absolutely. Does someone get to be Velma uh, and all that Fred, stuff? Velma, absolutely. Shaggy, yeah. Shaggy, yeah. And there's ghosts. You know, in the point of the game, at the end of the game, you rip the mask off to see who the villain is. Well, that that's a given. There's going to be ghosts. That's a row row part of the game. You know, everyone knows that. Also, how about movie night at home? You pop up some popcorn. Nowadays, you know, there's so many great movie choices. Even mm-hmm. something as simple, I, a good friend of mine got his daughters, his teenage daughters, interested in Turner classic movies. Oh, that's So great. he would bank three or four or five of them on the DVR and then just kind of sit with the girls and, hey, this is Humphrey Bogart. This is Lauren Bacall. This is you know, some of the stars from the past. And they really were engaged with those films. Many of those films were made in an era where you had to have a great plot. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, I need the latest, you know, Galaxy movie or whatever, maybe not. Maybe something as simple as Humphrey Bogart. You know, a movie night, uh, you can make a theme. Uh, my kids and I do this. Uh, you can do a theme movie weekend when a movie like Spider Man is coming out uh, and there's other versions or, or earlier uh, prequels, if you will, of the same movie with the same characters that feed into the story of the new movie that's coming out. What you What you can do is and we've done this, and we're going to do this. The new Spider-Man movie, we're going to go see it on a Sunday. Right. On Friday night, we're going to watch the first Spider-Man movie. And then on Saturday night, we're going to watch the second Spider-Man movie. In so this, you're set up now. So yeah. now it's it's a whole themed Spider-Man weekend. And Friday and Saturday night, I know what we're doing. I know we're going to enjoy it. And I know it's only going to cost 4 to $6 per night for the price of the rental of that movie. Uh, on demand. Absolutely. And that's uh, what all this is about. And it creates great family memories. Family memories. Your daughters now will turn around and they'll 
make their kids kind of do the same thing. And the kids will go, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Mom is much hipper than we thought. Now, that doesn't work with a movie that doesn't have two prequels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did see the other day uh, a movie that had uh, several variants, a couple of which I'd forgotten. Uh, oh, and it just blew out of my mind. The All the, uh, the movies, uh, one of them is supposedly a Christmas movie. Uh, oh, dog! I can't even remember now, and I'm ruining the show now. No, but, you're uh, not. Let's but, go with it. Tell me uh, uh, who was in it. Uh, what did he look like? Uh, what kind of car did McClane, he drive? McLean. Uh, he he goes. Oh, in the a can- Die Hard. Die Hard. There die we hard. go. Dog, God, I couldn't remember, but there's like five or six Die Hard films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can when it rains or in the winter. If the weather's terrible, you can you can do that. You can watch all of them in a row, and, and all of them are great. And one of them. Did, wasn't Alan Rickman plays this horrible bad guy who creates a crash for an airliner, and you're like going, well, that's, you're just pure evil. But he's got that look on his face. So watching the film just to watch Alan Rickman be a bad guy was great. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully no one was harmed during the filming of this. Um, one of the things that was interesting in my childhood, um, my dad was a super busy guy, but he always – took great care of our family. So, you know, the equation of you either have money or time. Thankfully, my dad kind of had money. So we, it wasn't like he spoiled us rotten. We didn't go to Disney World every two weeks. But he really had us go out and do an awful lot of things. We had uh, other family members who would say, hey, you know, we don't have as much money, but my dad really took care of us by taking us to all the great state parks. And every state has absolutely outstanding state parks. And we did some research on uh, the fact that uh, there are, that's an amazing amount of uh, state park information. In fact, uh, last year, there were over 807 million visitors to America's state parks. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's an incredible number. Uh, To put it in perspective, that's more than double the entire population of the United States. There are 8,565 state park areas comprising 18 million plus acres. And with theme, uh, to match the theme of this show, they are very inexpensive to enter, to get in. Absolutely. And in many states, you can buy a pass that will get you in the entire season that makes it even less expensive. So think a lot about the state park situation. Your kids will appreciate you getting them outdoors. And I would suggest, too, that if you have the means, when you go to a state park, um, pay a little extra. Because there are a lot of these state parks run on the um, honor system. And at the gate, there's an envelope. And you put your, if it's $3 a person to use the park for the day, you're supposed to put $3 in the envelope and then put the envelope into the mailbox or whatever they have there. And I think a lot of people don't do that, either A, on purpose, or B, they didn't even know it was there. They just right. walk through the gate to go to the park. So, yeah, if you've, if you've got... Um, a few extra bucks in your pocket. Don't be afraid to just put ten bucks in there if you can afford it, because because you, you'll cover two people that forgot to do it. Um, and if you know what, on that day, if everybody did it, then that's an extra seven dollars that you're giving to keep the park beautiful. Absolutely. And clean. You know, and we're going to highlight uh, one activity that's kind of interesting. Uh, was your dad ever a winter sports guy? Uh, you know, with uh, skating, skiing, uh, that type Some of thing. Some dads just were like uh, he into was that. he was a, a regional uh, competitor in the snowman building competition, uh-huh. but beyond that, no. 
So he was really good at making round objects he could look roll, like a snowman. He could roll a snowball like no other. Absolutely. <laughs> the, my dad, who knows why, but just loved ice skating, loved skiing. And one of the places he took us uh, was on a toboggan run at one of the state parks near us. And you kind of think outdated. I mean, we did this when we were kids. So I looked this up. This toboggan run still exists. Now, maybe not every state has it. I'm going to guess if you're hearing this in Florida, you may say to yourself, toboggans aren't real big down here. But anywhere maybe north of Nashville, possibly on a toboggan. You don't think about this. This one at this particular state park, you walk up inside a 30-foot tower. And I thought to myself, you know, because so much fun stuff has gone by the wayside because, you know, we live in a society where everybody sues everybody else. But you go up inside a 30-foot tower, the total vertical drop is 90 feet. You go over a quarter mile. The top recorded speed they've ever had on this is 42 miles per hour. And it lasts for 20 to 30 seconds, and it's all on a toboggan. Now, you remain seated. It's safe. Mm-hmm. State Park is still doing it. So all these years. So while not every state may have a, an adventure like this, I thought that was pretty darn cool that this particular one is still open and it's in a state park. And you remember that. Absolutely. Uh, and so south of Nashville, uh, you could equate that to a zip line uh, or any kind of uh, oh. adventure extreme ride or anything like that. Well, and state parks nowadays are trying to get more adventure oriented areas for to attract families. But I thought that, that there's some absolutely amazing figures about our state parks. As I told you, the sheer number of visitors, over 800 million visitors in a year's time is uh, that, you know, it's hard to even do the math. That's more than the population of our country. Yeah. And that obviously means that, that uh, several people go m- many times, uh, many visits in the same week. Um, because it's certainly not all 300 million of us going twice. Right. In a, you know, it's it's a few. It's a percentage of the population using these park systems a lot. And it's a way to get your kids outdoors. And if you think about it now, we've talked about uh, things about screen time and children's physical fitness on this show. And it does sort of allow you to, in a very polite way, hey, kids, let's go move around. And uh, I thought this was an interesting statistic. There's over 52,000 miles of trails in all the state parks. It's, it's funny because as soon as you said, um, you know, getting the kids out away from their screen, I immediately thought of the trails that, that I like to walk with my kids. And Absolutely. Trails, so much fun and, and not that difficult to navigate. Uh, you can walk as fast or slow as you want. A lot of, a lot of parks have wooden sort of almost like a deck system of stairways to get up you know steep inclines you can burn a lot of calories if you spend a few hours at a state park walking the trails for sure you can burn a lot of calories and all it really requires is decent footwear which is not particularly expensive and most state parks will have a trail map that actually tells you how difficult the trails potentially are you don't Mm want to drag your eight or nine-year-old out there and go, listen, we're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, stay close. But, you know, the easy to moderate hikes, most kids, I think, could do them pretty easily. Now, you don't want to march your kid 20 miles in one day and go, hey, did you have a good time at the state park? Yeah. And I will advise from personal experience, when you go on one of these trail hikes near sunset, mind the clock. Because when it gets dark, 
in the middle of a trail, in the middle of a state park, it, you can't see in front of your face. And it's going to be difficult to find your way back to the car. There's not much I lighting. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Stars are beautiful, but you are lost. <laughs> I thought this was so interesting. You know, when you think about state parks and the different particular facilities they might have, uh, the if you look at all the state parks in the United States, there's over 122 golf courses. There's 149 ski slopes. There's marinas. There's swimming pools. There's stables. So you can actually go ride a horse if you want to. Now, for guys like you and I, I'd advise no horse because gravity is unyielding. And you, and there's a weight limit for horses. So, yes. you know, I would never put a horse through that. <laughs> I would say, uh, sir, do you have the pack mule so that I may enjoy <laughs> the four-legged experience? But I thought that was great. And, the uh, you know, it's actually a very small part of each state's budget. There's over 18,000 full-time personnel and 51,000 uh, part-time and seasonal help. So it is actually a uh, very big uh, economic factor in the United States. And we do have some uh, websites that you can go to and get some more information, and, uh, and we'll post those. We'll uh, put those on our website, adamritzshow.com. And as we wrap up this conversation of uh, affordable memory-making with your kids, uh, I will just drop in, do some research. If you, in fact, want to do something, you find something you think is affordable, find out what it would cost, because by the end of it, you might find you might find out it costs more than you thought. Correct. I did the same thing. I took my kids to Gatlinburg in the Smoky Mountains one year to save money. I ended up spending more than if I just would have gone to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, and that was just on miniature golf. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This is the Adam Ritz Show. Learn more and see these links we were talking about at adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.